And welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for movies, TV, music, video games, news, thoughts, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is October the 22nd. We live in a post-Midnight's world. Don't worry. We'll talk about Taylor and Midnight's later. I promise. In the meantime, thank you. Uh, we have all that and more for you today, including giant titles now on our uh, Google Sheet. Oh, that's hard to get the headers. I figured, Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I figured. Anyway, so yeah, let's get rolling right into it. Yep, and we start with the music section. Yes. Start the music. Uh, this is episode 354. Let's oh, yeah. keep track. By the way. Yes. Um, and we'll start the music section with the billboard. And we'll always start the billboard with the Hot 100. Yeah. And at number one, your hottest song in the land, Bad Habit by Steve Lacey. Coming in at two, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. At three, As It Was by Harry Style. Coming in at four, I Like You, a happier song by Post Malone featuring Doja Cat. And rounding out your top five, you are proof. You proof. <laughs> yeah, you Morgan proof. Wallen. Yeah, somehow Morgan Wallen has uh, continued being a demon for us in the Billboard 200, but now is attacking the 100. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, Morgan. As for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, at number one is Maxident by Stray Kids. Maxident? That's what it says. Maxident. It's like a max accident. Yes. It's an accident set to the max. <laughs> a maxident. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to make a maxident. No. I was going to make like a kid named Max joke there, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming in uh, at number two, Um Morales yep. and T by Bad Booney. Summer's over. Yep, Summer drops to number two. Uh, rising to number three, Renaissance by Beyonce. Not sure why this bump happens. It's got to be know. ticket sales. Maybe. It's I always ticket know. sales. Is she touring? Why wouldn't she be touring? I mean, that's a good question. But if you're Beyonce, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you can sit around. You just so, somehow um, Renaissance is in the top five. Yeah, I don't know why, uh, but hey, sure. Maybe TikTok? Maybe. Uh, coming in at number four, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Don't worry. This will have a complete shakeup next week because we have so many new releases. Yep. Uh, speaking of, number five, The Hits. I mean... The highlights by The Weeknd. I think this is just going to be an evergreen thing that we just see pop up once in a while because people love The Weeknd. Uh, people love his hits. And yeah. I do also listen to the highlights by The Weeknd every now and then. So there you go. You're part of this. You're part of the reason why it's here. I mean, I'm not the reason, but I am part of the no, reason. No, the reason is by Hoobastank. Yes, because the reason is you. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> what? New releases! Uh, jokes are a certain age. <laughs> yeah, seriously. New releases! If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. Starting with Girls Night Out by Babyface. Yeah, Babyface. I didn't know he still recorded music. I thought he was just a producer. Yeah. And, like, record executive. Like, But hey, Babyface. There you go. We also have And I Have Been, which is more different than As It Was. Yeah, I guess. And I Have Been by... <laughs> Benjamin Clementine. Yeah, bear with me this week on new releases because I didn't recognize most of these names, but I wanted to put something here, so I was just like, someone surely has heard of these people and just kept typing. Alright. Uh, there's also Circuitous by Circuitous? Circuitous? 
it's circuit. I think and that's how you say that word. Circuitous? Circuitous. Maybe, maybe uh. circuitous. By Blessed. Uh, being Somewhere by Dan Mangan. Twenties <laughs> by Drognet. Lightwork by Devin Townshend. Townsend? Townsend. Townshend. Townsend. Uh, Hiding in Plain Sight by Drug Dealer. One word. One word. Um, warn your cops. <laughs> uh, waiting Game by Junior Boys. Trouble the Water by Show Me the Body. I've at least heard of Show Me the Body. So the cops. Yeah. Ah, and uh, your big release. I guess for you, <laughs> as you're adamant about listening to every single one of these. Maybe not. But, as we mentioned, um, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, it will now be releasing their second album of October, <laughs> called Changes. They just don't stop. Uh, which means that their third album will be next week. Uh, as they have said before, three albums in October. Yep, there you go. Yep, so More those are your new releases. Those are your new releases. Uh, but chances are you'll just continue listening to what came out this week, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yep, first... Well, there's music news. Yep, we'll get to our thoughts in a minute, but first, jump into the news, and we jump into the news in the K-pop section, starting with BTS, as the biggest names in K-pop announced on Monday that they will indeed sign up for Korea's mandatory military service, Yes. with Jin initiating the process at the end of October. This is a follow-up story. We talked about a few months ago about how this was maybe going to happen and that the BTS uh, BTS and their management were trying to work with the Korean government, trying to get them out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, nope, can't get them out of it. They all have to serve, every single one of them. Um, which doesn't bode well as yes. uh, tensions in that area of the world continue to rise. Yeah. Um, so is it like... If it's mandatory military service, do you, like, I know you can, like, kick the can down the road until you, like, actually have to sign up, but it makes it sound like they're giving into it, even though it's mandatory, like, now we're... Well, again, it's mandatory, but they're such public-facing celebrity figures right. that I'm sure that they thought that maybe there was a chance that they had some pull to get around it. Turns out, no. The government is adamant about, no, you all have to do it. Because if you make an exception for one, right. you're going to start making exceptions around. Also, the government's, government's probably thinking, like, no, this is great PR. Because all the fans are going to be like, well, if Jin Diz does it, then I should do, like, then I shouldn't be afraid of it, or I shouldn't try to dodge it. Or if do it just like he did. Or if they're, they're signed up, I could sign up too and be in a platoon with them. Here's the comparison. It's Elvis. It's Elvis. It's yeah. the Elvis situation. I knew you were bringing that up. It's the Elvis. Elvis was, like, was in the military, like... All of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow, swoon. And, like, if Elvis does it, we all should do it kind of thing. And then it came back and a comeback thing. So, yeah, like, it's it's the same thing, just the modern equivalent. Yeah, but then Muhammad Ali fought against going again. Well, yes. Yeah. As time but, went on, it became less popular opinion here in the United States. Yes. But in Korea, you know, like, I guess that that is still something that is just so commonplace. Also, the draft doesn't exist anymore in the U.S., which is the difference here, mm -hmm. is that it's a different context. But anyways... So, the rest of the story. Anyways, this move means that the septet will become temporarily inactive as a yes. group. Hiatus. But, quote, both the company and the members of BTS are looking forward to reconvening as a group again around 2025 
following their service commitments, <laughs> said label Bright Music. Quote, Big hit. Big hit. Bright. Big hit music. Oh, there's, uh, there's Big a hit, hit there. music. There's an I there. Otherwise, it's Bright. There's no R. Yeah, it's Bright. Yeah. Uh, quote, the members of BTS are currently moving forward with plans to fulfill their military service. Group member Jin will initiate the process as soon as his schedule for his solo release is concluded at the end of October. He will then follow the enlistment procedure of the Korean government. Other members of the group plan to carry out their military service based on their individual plans, Big Hit said in a statement. Yes. Uh, yeah, so it sucks because, yeah, that means no tours, no appearances, no recorded music until 2025 when all of them are back. I mean, depending on how they're, like, you know, uh, staggered out, out mm -hmm. like, you might see some solo releases like Jen is doing before his departure. But beyond that, you won't have something by BTS for what? Three years. What if it's the government that breaks up BTS? <laughs> like, they don't come back they after this? They just never come back after this. They're never the same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it could happen. I mean, this might be it, uh, but I doubt it. I think that they'll there's still be a market and people waiting for them with bated breath when they come back. I mean, like reunion tour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll put a pin in this yes. for a couple of years, and, when and we're we'll see. If, God, how many seasons will that be by the uh, time we get to twenty twenty five? I don't know. Probably a thousand, 10, right? We a thousand almost, episodes, maybe. We started this in sixteen. Yeah. I mean, season nine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, our, maybe our 500th episode. Can you imagine if we've done if we're doing this for 10 years and we still don't have like any listener? <laughs> Sometimes it's just for us. Sometimes it's just for us. As we've said since the beginning. Yeah. Well, as we said from the beginning, it's a business. <laughs> <laughs> That's, different. That's a different thing. That we That's say. a different thing that we say. Anyways, next story. And this is a segue into the thoughts. Yes, yeah, a segue into the thoughts because everyone, every news, well, not everyone got out of the way, but all the news yeah. was. <laughs> Hovering and following the release of Taylor Swift's yes. Midnight's album. Yes. And, well, it was released on Midnight yeah. and immediately started making history. Not just because it was Taylor Swift's 10th studio album, but it officially broke Spotify record for the most streamed album in a single day. Which is a record that keeps getting broken over and over again, so yes. it's not like this is brand new. But, hey, there you go. Good yeah. job, Taylor. Spotify announced the news on its socials on Friday afternoon, writing, quote, And before the clock could even strike midnight on October 22nd, Taylor Swift broke the record for the most streamed album in a single day in Spotify history. And Swift reacted to the news on Twitter saying, How did I get this lucky? Having you guys out here doing something this mind-blowing. Like, what even just happened? You could say, she's the lucky one. You could say that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Midnight. Yes, she's it's, so lucky, she's a star. That's different lucky. Oh, that's a different lucky. That was the lucky one, which is a song on Red. Yes, Never mind. <laughs> Anyways, which I think does actually, in parts, reference the Britney Spears song. But yes, anyways, <laughs> whatever. We're not here to talk about Red or Britney Spears. We're here to talk about... Midnight's, which is the new Taylor Swift record that came out on Friday. Um, so yeah, it's out. It's in the world. And I think it's surprised some people. I think it's different. 
Notably, this was something we had not heard a lick of until midnight or 9 o'clock Pacific time on Thursday night. I think it was um, a lot of people did not know what to, uh, to, to expect uh, from Midnight's because she did very little to describe beyond the content of the music what the sound of it was going to be. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to see a lot of people's uh, first impressions. Overall, uh, what do you think about uh, Midnight's as a Taylor Swift record? So background, the content of this and why it's called Midnight's yeah. is that it's songs written in the late night, like midnight between midnight and 3 a.m. Songs that keep you awake, kind of like the stuff that kind of haunts you, also gives you anxiety. Yeah. A little bit of songs that be like, like makes you like think and like, oh my god, expansion of the universe, <laughs> and I'm just a tiny speck in it. Um, sometimes it's like lucid thoughts at times, but also it's very much like when a mind's let free to run on its own, yeah, and no one tells you to stop. Yeah, how far does it go? And it's not the first time that Taylor has wrote songs about this kind of headspace. Notably, ever since Lover, I feel like Lover, Folklore, and Evermore all have songs that are that re reference like kind of Taylor's anxiety and her relation to her fans, her relation to uh, her partner, her relation to her exes. Mm -hmm. She's been dwelling a lot on her image and how she's seen by the world. You can also see this in the Miss Americana documentary, which goes into kind of her anxieties a little bit more than previously. How she deals with being famous and being in the public eye, and all, all of that is just in a blender. And I feel like this is an album that she's is the most focused version of that storytelling. And it does come out on the other end feeling like a concept album in a way of that, because all the songs kind of are feel like oh, I need to, like, this is what I'm feeling right now, I need to get it off my chest. No, because unlike other albums, which were written consecutively, these were these are songs taken from over the course of yeah. 10 to 13 years? I mean, not explicitly. She didn't say she wrote it over the, like, long period of time. I think these are anxieties and things she's thought about, thought about over those okay, periods of yes, time. I think the songs were written in the last year. But, like, but, yeah, um, what, but, but, but with all that being said, um, what did you think about Midnight? How, how, did it, how did it hit you? So before listening to Midnight, I went back to Taylor's album right before it. Not Folklore, but Evermore. Yeah, we're the, not the, the December the re-records here. Yeah, we're not including the re-records. Yeah. So Evermore, the um, the December surprise release, yeah, yes. which you were very yeah, high uh, on, I, I and I love it. I still think it's great. I'm sorry, but only one of them got a long pond session. It wasn't Evermore. <laughs> yeah, and also was one of them got album of the year, the other didn't. I know. Yes. <laughs> so I think like Taylor won a lot of people with folklore, and then oh, saw it more as kind of like oh, like what's Focus. this? Focus. I think a lot of people saw it as like the equivalent to Carly's Emotion Side B. You yeah. know, like this is more songs in the same kind of vibe, but just like Side B, a lot of it's better than the original. No, I'm like I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I know a lot of Carly fans are like Side B is better than Emotion. I disagree, but there are people out there that think that. Yes, people in, what did you say, the, the TikTok, Taylor TikTok? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so this kind of follows in the same vein of, uh, not, yeah, Evermore. Yeah. I was going to say, though, not Evermore, but no, it is Evermore. Uh, but it kind of follows in the same vein as Evermore in that it's, seems, seems very ethereal, seems very um, produced, it's, 
with the crucial difference here, yeah. which is that the instrumentation is completely different. Because yeah. the most notable thing, I think, overall about Midnight's is that she has now returned to the synth-pop sound that she was on in Reputation and Lover. So this mm-hmm. is not a folky, folky record like Folklore and Evermore were, even though I don't think folk really does those albums a service either. But that is, I think, the most, like, important thing to note here is that she is not necessarily abandoning that sound but she is definitely moving away from that sound which is i'm sure disappointing to a lot of people who like you said got on the bandwagon with folklore and like became taylor fans because of it and i think that a lot of people are going this is going to be divisive because of that but for the content and the subject matter of the songs i think it makes sense why she made this choice well because it's funny that you bring up both Reputation and Lover because yeah. a lot of these songs feel like they fit right between those two albums. It feels like a trilogy now. Like, I think that a lot of people were quick to say, like, oh, 1989 Reputation and Lover are the trilogy. I disagree now. Mm-hmm. I think 1989 is this weird transition record, and then Reputation, Lover, and now Midnight's feel like of a piece. Midnight's feels like a combination of the things she was going for in Reputation and Lover. it's in the middle of those two tailors because you have reputation tailor which is very much like she's been burned she's been scarred she feels like she needs to get revenge on her enemies she's feeling bitter but she's also falling in love and that's the weird polarity of reputation as a record that's why it sat weird when it came out for a lot of people because it's like there's these love songs and she seems like she's falling in love with this guy but at the same time there's this feeling of bitterness and like awkwardness and old Taylor is dead kind of thing going on. And so it never felt really balanced. And then Lover is the opposite. Like she, it was the course correction record where she was like, no, I want to make a song that's fun and pink hued and like about love and maybe dabbles in some darker stuff like Soon You'll Get Better, the song with the chicks. And like, but it, and totally also, it's very bright and colorful, like the me video. And so like- Yeah, and Brandon then, Urie. Mid, yeah, exactly, Brandon Urie shows up. And then Lover, or Midnight's is somewhere in the middle of that, where it's like there's that anxiety setting in, mm-hmm. and there's some bitterness, but it's not, but it's not as serious, it's not as dark. And then there's also like elements of that, like I feel like the pink is toned down to lavender, and <laughs> um, and and maroon, and it's kind of like living <laughs> this thing. That's not to say though, I don't want to say it's not at all influenced by what she did in folklore and evermore, because I do think there's elements mm-hmm. of it. And I think it's in the songwriting. One of the things, one of the reviews I read, I think this was the Stereo Gum take. Um, they mentioned that there's a little bit that the songwriting that approach she's take, like taking has changed. I think even up into the Lover era, she was still trying to make big pop songs. No longer the case. I think what she learned in the folklore era was that people will still like her if she writes slower songs that don't explode at the end. Mm-hmm. And these are largely songs that do that. They're constructed similarly to the songs on Folklore and Evermore, but they sound like the songs on Lover. It's a synthesis of those two things. And I think that, yeah, I think that's another reason why I think this record's going to be divisive. Um, so did you, do you feel like you liked it? Do you feel well, like it's, you, it's, it's, already you di- it's already divisive right here because yeah. I'm like, because... Are you on the fence about it? Uh, sense that you're on the fence about it. I'm on the fence about it, but more yeah. leaning on the off of it than okay. on of it. All right. Uh, there are several songs on it that are good. Um, Antihero, Karma, Questions. Yeah, Question. 
those are all good songs on this. Uh, they're all going to get radio play. Just guarantee your own. That's the thing. Are they? Yeah, well. Because one of the weird things about the Folklore era, Folklore Evermore had one single each. Mm-hmm. It was just the lead singles that hit. It was Cardigan and Willow. And then even Willow, like, disappeared after a while. Lover still to this day has better radio play with me and with Lover, the title track. She's just not a she's not an artist that like we mentioned, Beyonce could kind of just sit around yes. kind of thing. She's in that era. I think Taylor's getting there too, and I think Midnight's is a record that admits that in a way. Well, you, folklore and evermore are too. I think now she's in the era where she realized she doesn't need to write radio hits anymore. <laughs> she doesn't need that. She's big enough of an artist that she's gonna be a huge success and make a lot of money off of this without having to be big on charting. Play on tour. This will chart, but I don't think that it's going to be a radio replay. However, if it is, yeah, I think you hear Antihero a lot. Mm -hmm. If it does hit. But we'll see. I honestly don't know if it does. I don't think she intends it to. Even if she doesn't intend it to, people will still try and push for it. Maybe. My uh, the local uh, one of the local pop stations here, My FM, was actually doing something interesting. They were playing a different song off of Midnight's at every ten of every hour, so uh-huh. like seven, ten, six, ten, okay. and so they were playing like deep album cuts. Like on my way home yesterday, they were, they played Bejeweled, and I was like, <laughs> all right, okay. And, but I think like that ends this weekend though, and I don't yeah. think any of and yeah, maybe if they get enough calls about something. But so far, the only proper single that Taylor's released is Anything Here. Right, it has the music video out. Yeah, it has the music video. But she did say that there's going to be music videos for a lot of these songs. Mm. Oh, Pretty Girls in Our City. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, fun. <laughs> thank you for that. Anyways. <laughs> I didn't know you had to pay for girls. Uh, no, they're I on mean, the 91. can, I guess. But they're on the 91, which is going to be backed on, up. On the 91? Yes. <laughs> wow. Why are they in the freeway? That's weird. You should get off the freeway. Sorry, anyways. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, chat. And that guy. Anyways, <laughs> block that guy. No, I'm serious. Right. Block spam, please. Block spam. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. No, yeah. You hit block. Yeah. I, uh, report. Yeah. Or you hit remove. Report. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Anyways, I got to do that individually. That's yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, this is our first spam in our chat that we've ever gotten. So, brand new stuff. Anyways, so yeah, um... Lost my train of thought. Yep. What was, what was I talking about? <laughs> uh, you were going off on a radio play. Oh. Anyways, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. But regardless, I see what you mean. There are songs that I think that are poppy enough of a vibe. But overall, it's not all that. Because I think she knows that she doesn't have to make an album that's all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the lesson she learned from Lover is that reaction to Lover was so all over the place because there were people who were like, some of this is really, really good, but some of this sucks. Me is a bad song. Uh, according to you. I think you should calm down is a bad song. And those were the singles. And so that's where it's like, to me, it's like, I think she learned from her fans and from her critics after that and was like, oh, I don't need to be that Taylor anymore. I think she realizes that the Taylor of 1989, where she had a number one song for a very long time, is done. I don't think she's that artist anymore. Mm. Folklore transformed her image of how she is a super, like, how she, like a different era of her being a superstar. And I think Midnight reflects that. Is that she's more of an album now instead of a singles? It's the transition that a lot of artists go through. It's the classic Beatles transition, mm. where they stopped touring and they became a studio band. I think Folklore is that division point for Taylor. 
I think folklore proved, and the pandemic may have forced her hand. And I think it forced a lot of artists' hands. Casey had this moment on Golden Hour. Mm-hmm. She still tours, obviously. They're not going to stop touring. Taylor probably could. She probably doesn't have to tour ever again if she doesn't want to. I think she will. I think she'll do another stadium tour once she feels comfortable doing so. What's the, what's yeah. she's forgiven SoFi for what they did here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't SoFi. She canceled on them, right? Like No, no the pandemic canceled. Well, you know what I mean. Yes. Because of the pandemic. I don't think that's SoFi's fault. Well, she couldn't open it, so therefore right. she... I don't think she's pulled. bitter about that. She's bitter about some things, but she's not bitter about SoFi's <laughs> Anyways. So, yes, you were saying about the balance of songs. Yeah. Um... I mean, it goes back and forth. Like, there's a lot of new songs out there, a lot of new vibes. And we were talking about off-podcast that um, Taylor's vocals on it, at times, seem buried yeah. in the vibes from Jack Antonoff. Yeah, I think the production, which is, again, a lot of it is by Jack Antonoff. He's co, he's co like a co-producer on, I believe, every song but two. Yeah, and then I think uh, Dresner is on the back half of the three. Aaron Dresner is not on the proper thirteen songs, but he does produce a couple of the bonus tracks yes. of the three AM edition. Which, by the way, we have to note that she surprise dropped yeah. bonus three AM edition songs. And honestly, I see why she trimmed them out. I feel about the same uh, with those as I do about the from the vault tracks on mm-hmm. the re-releases. They're extremely hit or miss. And I get why she didn't include them on the proper release, because they're not, they're not worthwhile enough, really, to dwell on too long. Also, like the bonus tracks on Folklore and Evermore, they don't do much for me. But anyways, they do exist. <laughs> they are there. They are they're there. part of the album. So yeah, this album exists somewhere between midnights and 3 a.m. <laughs> Literally, yes. Literally. They did, yes. Yeah. And depending on how you feel about like where you're at at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> In the early mornings, like sometimes good stuff happens, sometimes bad stuff happens. It's I think that's where people are going to end up here. Like, what? Are you someone who's going to stay up past midnight and enjoy it, or are you going to bed at ten a.m. and like going to skip it? Yeah. Or ten p.m. Ten a.m. <laughs> yeah, going to bed at ten p.m. like going to skip this album. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people are going to land between this. So so yeah so I guess what I'll say about kind of where I'm at with it is, I was skeptical for the first couple of songs because I was like, all right, this is a little bit of a different kind of vibe. I'm not sure if I'm digging it. Antihero did not click for me like it did for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting I, that it definitely got me prepared lyrically for what the rest of that record is going to be, which I'll get to that in a moment. But um, but sound-wise and production-wise, I wasn't fully on board. But then like once it kicks into gear, it goes. And by the end of it, I was like, I really like it. And I still, after a second listen, and after hearing some of the singles several times, or some of those uh, like specific tracks several times, I'm like, yeah, I think I think I like it. I think I'm landing on the positive side of it. And here's my reasoning for that. I think that the production, even though it's inconsistent, is interesting. I like that she's trying new things. It reminds me of some of the stuff that she was experimenting with on Lover. And I appreciate that side of Taylor. I like the Taylor that is going to sit down with Jack and the two of them are going to explore different sounds they can use. I like that because I like that that she's willing to experiment. A lot of artists get into a comfort zone and they don't get out of it. And I like that Taylor refuses to be in a comfort zone. I like that she tries something new every time out now. And I love that because I think it makes for an interesting listen and like a compelling listen compared to 
let's I'm gonna give you uh, tip my hand on Carly's record mm -hmm. compared to like something like Carly Jessen. We'll get there. But I think that it makes it for a more interesting record overall. And if she doesn't do that experimentation, I think she would be extremely boring. And I'm glad that she's not boring. On the flip side of that, I think it's also interesting lyrically. The internet is massacring Taylor right now over some of the lines on this album. Are you talking about the cutie one? Yeah, that one specifically <laughs> on Karma. I love it. I think it's great. I thought it's hilarious. Yeah, but a lot of people are like, oh, that's bad writing. Like, oh, this and this line is really sloppy. Like, a lot of picking, picking and choosing. First of all, have you ever listened to a Taylor Swift song before? Because she's always written sloppy-ass lyrics. Just listen they're to not sloppy, they're slanted. Just listen to the slap, uh, the 10-minute version of uh, All Too Well that she put out with the re-release of Red last night. There are some clunkers in that all too, in that 10-minute version. But the reason why everybody was still obsessed with it and everybody still loved it is because for every clunker, there's also an amazing line, right? And I think that Midnight is the perfect example of that. There are some really awkward sounding lyrics here, but they're also, I think, some of the best lyrics she's ever written. And so it's she's always working in like a combination of these things. And I like that it sounds off the cuff. And I like that it sounds like stream of consciousness sometimes because it works with the concept of the record. So the uh, I want to note on one of the reviews I read that was negative, I think that the Beast, uh, the Beast now has a, um, a pop column now, and they did a review. It was the most negative take I saw on it, and they were talking about how they felt like that's not an excuse. They were saying that even if your concept is, oh, these are supposed to be my, about my midnight, midnight anxieties, it's still not an excuse for sloppy writing. I disagree. I think that if you are waking up in the middle of the night from a bad dream that we're about your inner anxieties and your like and trying to overthink something, I think the thing that you're going to say in your diary when you're writing is going to be sloppy. It's going to be off the cuff, and it's going to feel like that. Mm -hmm. It's going to sound like karma is a cat in my lap purring. It's going to sound like I, I you know drew, drew my eyeliner so sharp it could kill a man. Like <laughs> it's going to sound evocative. It's not going to sound. It's not going to sound purple. You know, it's not going to sound. Perfect. It's not going to sound like a second draft. It's going to sound like a first draft. And I like that some of these lyrics sound first drafty. And you know why people are like, well, that's not professional. But I'm thinking that that's not what she's going for here. Working within the context of what she's trying to do here, I think it per it's perfect. I think it's very tailored. And that's why I think it works for me. So those two things combined, the experimental sound of some of the, some of the voice manipul manipulation and some of the instrumentation, the willingness she's like she has to try new things combined with the off-the-cuff songwriting it's really endearing it's really charming to me and i get that that's a very thin line and a lot of people are going to listen to the same exact thing and say well that's fine i don't like it and i respect that opinion i get it and so i think that's the divided line i hate to evoke this person and it is very ironic that i'm evoking this person in the taylor uh thoughts it reminds me of Kanye West's Yeezus in a way, where the reaction to that record was, which sounds really wild, and he's trying weird-ass stuff, and he's moving the needle a little bit in, in hip-hop, but the lyrics are stupid as shit. That was the reaction to Yeezus. It was like, he's like all these lyrics suck. Like, what the hell is he talking about? But the reviews were still, like, super glowing because he was at least trying something. There was a vibe, and there was an environment. Obviously, that Kanye is dead to us. But that Kanye did exist at that moment in 2013. 
And I think that this reminds me of that reaction. The critical reaction you're seeing right now reminds me of that. Because it's like, yeah, she's trying some things and there's a vibe to it. But what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> and I think that works. Just how it worked back then with Kanye, I think it works with Taylor here. And I promise I will not bring up Kanye again on this show because Jesus Christ, he's had a month. <laughs> anyway, then, yeah, there's a purpose why I've not brought up any of that shit. Anyway, so that's my take on Midnight's. I think it's a interesting um, era to her career. I think it's an interesting step she's taking. I think it's a blender kind of synthesis of a lot of versions of Taylor we've gotten before. And it's going to be divisive. I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting to see where we land on it by the end of the year and going into next year. Because I think this is going to be either a grower, where people are going to grow to love it, or grow to despise it. It's usually say end of the year, because that's yeah. only two more months away. I know. Before, but before we, everyone has to start writing end of the year but articles. We're still, when I say that, is we're still in the Taylor sort of honeymoon phase. We're still in the week of release right now. And I think that once we exit that, then the dust will settle, and then we'll be able to figure out. Maybe I turn on it. I don't think I will, though. Because I think that the things I find endearing about it, I think, are going to last. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, interesting record. Interesting record with a lot to talk about. And I think it will come back up again at the end of the year. And it's going to be an interesting year because we have that, we have <laughs> Special, we have yeah. Renaissance, we have Morgan Wallen, the Ooh. double album. Oh, it just goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about that. Uh, so yeah, we will, yeah, there's a lot of music this year. In fact, a lot of music this week. Yes. We'll as be free for on the rest of the year. They weren't the old, wasn't the only one to release an album this week. Yeah. There were several others, as we noted last week, yes. including the aforementioned Carly Rae Jepsen. Yes. With The Loneliest Time. So, just like with Dedicated, Carly Rae Jepsen, Jepsen is an artist that's really hard to talk about now because she released a perfect record and she will always be chasing it. Of course, we're talking about 2015's Emotion. Yes, you're not talking about Golden Hour. No. It's just like Casey. I think yes. Casey and Carly have that in common, where they put out something that was so game-changing, so important, I think, in the larger talk about pop music, mm -hmm. and so important personally to me, that everything that they've done after, and to be fair, in Casey's case, it's only one record. Right. In Carly's case, now it's like three, if you count side B's. You gotta count side B's. And so... Or four, I guess, if you count all the side B's. And so, yeah, it's like... It's not... I feel like they're always going to be... I feel like I'm going to be chasing that high from them. And if I don't get that high again, then I'm going to be disappointed. And yes, this is me saying that... I'm sorry to report that I'm a little disappointed again in The Loneliest Time. Carly Rae Jepsen's new record. I don't know, because... This is like the exact opposite of Midnight, where it's it all is. pop, all, yes. all funk, yes. all if high energy. If you come energy. off of Midnight's disappointed because you didn't get a big pop banger from Taylor... Listen to Carly because she's got those. Yes. That, I think, is the best part of this record. When it goes, it goes hard. She also, just like a lot of artists in that kind of sphere, like Dua Lipa and like Beyonce, it has pivoted to a disco-inspired dance sound. Mm -hmm. And I think largely when she's in that zone, it works. There are some really, really great high points on this song that are peak Carly. I think the title track, The Loneliest Time, the duet she has with Rufus Wainwright, is mm -hmm. great. I think the string interlude after the little di like the dialogue bit where she goes, I'm coming back for you, is perfect. I think it's one of the best things Carly's ever done. 
it's like a like chill-inducing pop moment, which I think is one of the best moments of the year. I just wish the rest of the record was at that level. What she does instead is she sprinkles this record with experiments. There is Beach House, yeah. which I do not care for, which has like a men, like a men chorus and is supposed to be like this like ABBA inspired kind of 70s thing. I don't dig it. I don't like the vibe she's going for and I do not like the jokes with the guys at all. I think it's unnecessary. I don't think she needed to do it. Also, stands out like a sore thumb on this thing. I think it's good that it stands out because I really like Beach House. I do not care for it. It at all. really stood out to me. Um, like you were thinking, like, oh no, it's like it's a bad standing out. No, this is a good standing out. I don't <laughs> bad about. stand out for me. And then, uh, then there's moments where she tries like uh, kind of like like solar power style uh, like like yeah, vibes on uh, on. Uh, Western Wind, which does, mm-hmm. which was the single. Like, the single we already knew about that from Coachella. Yeah, and I like said. it. I like that song, but I still think, as a whole, it's a weird moment in the record. And then she also like will bring out the acoustic, acoustic guitar for a song and like try to do something a little ballady. And I'm like, the thing with Carly and where I think I'm at with Carly right now. And we were talking about this at dinner last night. Um, she doesn't pick a lane. She tries different things, but the thing is, she's a chameleon of an artist, and she doesn't necessarily, like, she's always done this, even on Emotion, where she's, like, she tries to do everything and be an all-pop artist to all-pop audiences. And sometimes that works when she's as broad as possible, but I don't think it always works. And here, I think the most experimental of her records, and I don't think it works in her favor. I think it feels disparate and it feels like a puzzle with some pieces missing. I just wish she would pick something. Like, go all the way in on that disco sound. Go all the way in on that pop sound. Go all the way in on something. Because I think if she just collected her focus, I think she could put out a killer record again. We could have another emotion, but she doesn't want to do it. And I get why not. I get it. Because she's a musician, she's an artist, and she wants to try new things. Works for some artists, doesn't maybe work for some, and that's okay. I think this will click with a lot of people, but I didn't click with it as much. It's weird how you compare Taylor Swift with Carly Jepsen yeah. because you like when Taylor Swift does new things, yeah. tries experiments, and, and then with Carly, you want her to go back to where she was. But I think there's a way to experiment within a genre and not necessarily, and has still have a focus. The reason why Midnight's works to me and this one doesn't work as much is because Taylor experiments, but it feels of a piece. It feels like of a tone, right? The whole thing from track one to 13 feels like it's of the same album, even though she's trying different things within those songs. The Loneliest Time, by contrast, feels like several different albums over the course of it. It doesn't feel of a piece. It doesn't feel like it has a goal overall. It just feels like Carly wrote a bunch of songs over a period of time with different moods. Doesn't feel like one mood. And yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I need to listen to it again. I need to let it settle a little bit more. And I maybe need to be in a better mood, like, mode for it. I think Midnight is a headphone album. I think Loneliest Time might be like a driving album. It might be a different mm-hmm. kind of vibe altogether. And so maybe I need to try it in its natural habitat hmm. before I can really sit with it. But overall, I do want to say, I do think it's better than Dedicated. I think it is definitely moves up in my Carly ranking because when the highs are high, they're really high. 
Yeah. That is one thing that we've talked about before on this podcast that some artists just want to put out hits, just want to put out singles, yeah. and don't put out a full concept album. And you, you as a listener, and us as well, have to be able to differentiate, is this artist trying to tell a full story within an album, or are they just trying to put out hits? Are they part of the hit machine? Yeah, and Carly and Taylor are interesting both to compare too, because they both went through that transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, after after folklore and after emotion, both of them have a pivot, right? They go away from making the the pop records and big tours, and they start doing like more studio work and start collaborating and start being like, "Well, what is my career now?" They ask that question. And so, yeah, I'm glad they did come. What I will say is, like, I agree with you. I'm glad they came out on the same day because they are polar opposites in so many ways. They're both they complement each other in a way and they do not at all have any crossover <laughs> no they do not which is hilarious to me because you definitely when you saw that on a calendar you could imagine oh they're just going to eat each other's lunches but no it didn't turn out that way and i'm glad i'm glad for both of them that they can coexist in the pop sphere and do different things and we're both we're all better for it yeah. we're better it also yeah just shows like how wide spans the pop <laughs> genre is yeah it's almost like it's not a genre at all which is true yes Mono genre as you keep putting it. Yeah. So so yeah, that's that's Carly. I might come back to it. Okay. I, I might be coming back to it uh, as to use her phrase. Yes. Uh, we'll see. All right. Um, yeah. So that's the albums that we both listen to. Yeah. You listen to something else. Yeah, I snuck one in. I snuck an extra one. one in. Yeah. You um, got loungy. Well, no, I had a car ride. Eric car ride. The, the car ride. So I listened to the car. By Arctic Monkeys. Real quick, did you listen to the last Arctic uh, Monkeys record? I don't think I did. See, okay, interesting. Because I did, and that's why I didn't listen to this one, is okay. what I'll say. I was not into what they did. It seems like, so Arctic Monkeys, they've been around for a while. In yes. the 2000s, they made kind of like a more more rocky albums. They had a big comeback in 2013 with AM. Mm-hmm. They had that radio single, uh, which I'm skipping my name, uh, skipping my mind what it's called. But, um, uh, but then with the last thing that they put out like three years ago, three or four years ago, mm-hmm. um, they turned their sound on its head. They're, they're a little loungy now and kind of like low like low stakes, like kind of a low-key vibe. Yep. This is more of that. This is exactly that. Yeah. This is exactly that um, following, as you mentioned, the, the previous album, that it's yeah. very lounge vibe, it's very it's jazz vibe. Tranquility Hotel and Casino or something like that. That sounds right. Something like that. It's something like that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's the same sound. It's very smooth jazz, smooth piano, very um, totally lounge music. Yeah. Um, I was going to make the illusion of like if Harry Styles made music for a sushi restaurant. Yeah, a whole album like that, yeah. This is the exact opposite. <laughs> this is bar, lounge, like jazz singer, like smooth band on there as you're like sipping your... Um, Old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was too drinking old fashioned too. Yes. <laughs> don't know why it's called the car, but yeah, they can. Not in the car. Don't drink the old fashioned while you're in the car. No, don't. No, don't know why it's called the car. Unless but... somebody else is driving, they just hide the glass. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's an, it's one of those albums where it's very lounge music. It's very nice. I really yeah. enjoy chill. Very chill. Very calming. Very much lounge like. Not at all like the loneliest time. No, not at all the loneliest time. Which, you know, go from midnight to loneliest time right. in the car, back oh, to back to back. Three very different vibes. Very different. Like anxiety <laughs> and tension. Fun dancing. 
Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> Which was nice to listen to at night. Because, like, okay, let's cool chill, down. cool down, <laughs> drive on PCH. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, anyways, yeah. Loud music by the car. No. no. Loud music. By Arctic Monkeys called the car. Yes, by Arctic Monkeys called the, the car. We're not talking about the cars. No, the cars. I wish we were talking about the cars. That's a different album. It's <laughs> a different band altogether. Yes. Alright, any other music? Oh, that's it? That's all you have to say about it? Just chill? It's very chill. It? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Right. I, I don't think I'm going to come back to it, but like, yeah. if I need a chill album or something yeah. to like start a party and like just like have it in the background people cut it's like in. dinner party music. It's dinner party yeah. music. Yes, that's a good, good album. It's dinner party music. I feel like we're being dismissive, but yeah, sure. No, it's not dismissive. It's actually a good album to put on in the background. I mean... If you're looking for that, looking then the Arctic Monkeys got you. Is yeah. that what you're saying? What we're saying here. Alright, now let's move yeah. on. If you want to like class it up without being like Yeah, there's some s- smaller stuff that I did catch up on la- from last week, but yeah, I don't need to talk about it here. Um, we're already at 40 minutes yeah, here. Yeah, we're so. already cooking, so we need to finish the show. Yep. Second half will be shorter, we promise. Anyway. Yes. Well, those were like all of our main thoughts. So let's get right into our next segment of video games. Yes. And we start with new releases. Yeah. Including Sackboy, call it a big adventure. Yes. For the PC. For your PS4 and PS5 launch game. Yep. Uh, or PS5 launch game. PS5. That was also a PS4. Uh, coming out for PC. Yep. We have... Uh, Signalis. 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 For PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Yep. Star Ocean, The Divine Force. For everything but the Switch. Yep. Uh, and then your big releases. Yes. Resident Evil Reverse. Yeah. For the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I believe this is a online kind of like uh, survival-ish kind yeah. of co-op thing. I don't know. This is apparently a sequel to something else that they put out under the Resident Evil name like last year. Is this like ago? the? Is this more like maybe like the four v one? I think it's going on? like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like some sort of online thing. Uh, four v one ADE. E, uh, PDE. Or, or P, yeah, PDE. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also have. Other big release, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Yes, not to be confused with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the game that came out in 2009. Yes, <laughs> so Call of Duty Cold Modern Warfare 2 2022. 2022. <laughs> For the PS4, PS5, everything but the Switch. Yes. Um, this is also why Kyler Murray had to play it on Thursday because this <laughs> game came out. Played <laughs> it all weekend. Yeah, with Call of Duty. And lastly, your other big release, Bayonetta 3 yes. for the Switch. Yep. Is and if you've been <laughs> listening to Twitter or been anywhere in video game news, people have been talking about Bayonetta 3. Yes. And not for good reasons. The discourse has been loud this week. So what's going on? Yes. So this is right to our first story as Platinum Games, the publisher of Bayonetta 3. Or the developer. Developer. Yes, as publicly stated, it's support for Bayonetta's new voice actor, while also attempting to diffuse the ongoing debate around the role's previous performer. Mm-hmm. Last week, Helena Taylor, who voiced Bayonetta in the first two games, posted a series of videos on Twitter asking fans to boycott the upcoming third game, claiming she was offered an, quote, insulting fee to reprise her role. Sources then disputed uh, Helena Taylor's claims. I like how you didn't just want to say Taylor because then we were just talking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
uh, her claims, suggesting the fee offered was higher than she alleges. While Bayonetta's new voice actor, Jennifer Hale, posted a statement expressing her hope that, quote, everyone involved may resolve their differences in an amicable and respectful way. Uh, this the story doesn't mention this, so I just want to mention it real quick. Uh, both Jennifer Hale and Helena Taylor are actually members of the same union, which makes this interesting, because if Helena Taylor is accurate here, that means that there's some um, like inequality. There's some uh, d- uh, uh, there's an, an imbalance between some people that are even on the same roster. Jennifer Hale, by the way, if you recognize that name, is because she is a voice actor in a lot of things. Uh, she's most notably the voice of the female uh, shepherd in the Mass Effect games. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I think she was also in The Last of Us. Yes, she, yeah. I believe, was in Last of Us 1. Yes. As the, what's her name, uh, Joel's friend. Yes, Joel's friend who doesn't make yeah. it past Act 1. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> right. So, although Platinum Games Vice President Hideki Kamiya posted a series of tweets about the ongoing controversy. As he is wont to do. That man loves to tweet. Yep. A public statement attributed to the company itself had yet to be posted until now. Well, until yesterday, I guess. Until yesterday, yeah. So, quote, We at Platinum Games offer our sincerest appreciation to everyone who has contributed to creating the Bayonetta series over the years, as well as the community that has served as its foundation. We give our full support to Jennifer Hale as the new Bayonetta and align with everything in her statement. We ask people to please refrain from any further comments that would disrespect Jennifer or any other contributors to the series. Yeah, this they have to walk such a thin line here because I think the fans were in support of Helen Taylor mm-hmm. and were and she and were actually listening to her calls for a boycott very seriously. But here's the problem with that idea. I have no problem supporting someone who believes that they were treated unfairly. That I'm all whole, wholly on Helena Taylor's and side. And we'll get to another story like that yeah. later. But the problem with it is is that, yeah, th- 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 to a certain extent, Platinum Games is right. Why would you do that? On, and then like then just basically take a big crap on everybody else's hard work on Bayonetta 3. Like, she's not the only person involved here. She may be right, but there's so many other people who worked on this project. So it's a tricky, tricky line. I don't blame anybody for being like, now I don't know how I feel about Bayonetta 3 as a product anymore. Like, did Helena Taylor get screwed over like she's claiming? Like, we don't know enough information. Like, and so it's really tricky to navigate this. And I think Jennifer Hale and Platinum did the best they could possibly do to support the product that they worked hard on and also understand where Helena is coming from. It's a mess. And I don't. And I'm kind of maybe glad that I'm not like huge into the Bayonetta series because mm-hmm. I would don't have to make this choice and make this decision about what I'm gonna do. But the people who do, man, it's gonna be a rough launch. Uh, and I don't just, know how to navigate the story. Just to note that this isn't the like they're not the only company that has ever like replaced no. voice actors. There's not the person that's come out and like we're going in a different direction. We're going or, in a new new people. Or even specifically, you could look back at one of the most notable times in, in, in my knowledge in, in recent history uh, to have something like this happen. Remember Life is Strange uh, Before the Storm mm-hmm. when they replaced all of the uh, union voice actors with non-union scabs mm-hmm. and people were like, what the hell, I'm not going to play this game because of it. He ended up coming back later. But yeah, like... There was a moment there where everybody was like, wait, do we even, should we even play this game if 
we all this non-union labor was used? Well, see, I was thinking more of the lines of uh, Charles Marionette not coming back okay. as the voice of Mary of Mario. That's such a different thing, though. It's not and like say, he can was... go and get Chris Pratt. It was no. It was such a different thing because it's not like that he was ever offered. No, absolutely <laughs> not. They always were going. Illumination was always going to cast a celebrity in that role. There was no way. There was absolutely zero possibility that he would reprise that role in a full movie. There's not. It was never going to happen. It's no completely different situation. But nice try. Hey. Anytime we can bring up that movie until it comes out. <laughs> well, only a few more months. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, no, you gotta wait a couple Five more. Months. Yeah, it's supposed six, to be December, six, but now it's coming in March. April? March. March? April? March? One of those. Yeah. Spring, let's say. Spring, yes. Could be delayed again. <laughs> All right. Um, any other so that's that story. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I would hate to make this decision, and it's a complicated, messy situation. Especially on release week. Yeah. Not good timing if no. you're Platinum and Nintendo. Yeah. Anyway. It sounds a bit of a horror story. Speaking of horror stories. Hey! I'll if you like horror story. stories, horror video games, then you were very happy this week. Yes, because following months of anticipation, Konami has officially confirmed a Silent Hill 2 remake. Yes. The game was revealed during a Silent Hill transmission live stream on Wednesday and is being developed by... Bloober Team, yeah. the Polish studio behind the medium, <sighs> Layers of Fear, and Blair Witch. So I'm sighing because people in the horror game community are uh, not big fans of Bloober Team and the games they make. Uh, the Medium, which was a big PS5, Xbox, no, it was uh, Xbox, Xbox Series X launch game, uh, the launch game yeah. uh, was divisive. And when I say that, it was divisive because it had like decent gameplay, but the story that they wanted to tell was deeply problematic. It had some issues with uh, like glorifying abuse, and uh, it apparently was a bad time for all involved. Hmm. So the Bloober team has a little bit of a negative react, uh, reputation um, among people who know video games. So not maybe the developer people wanted on the Silent Hill 2 remake. Well, the game will be released for PlayStation 5 has a console yeah. exclusive as well as PC as well as PC uh, Konami said and original creators such as art director Masahiro Ito and composer Akira Yamoka uh, Yamaoka yeah. are said to be quote closely involved the people you want to get on something yes. that's uh, as important as remaking a, what a lot of people think is a classic game yes. um, so yeah and I think this makes sense and this is of course I'm sure a reaction to the huge success that Capcom has had with reviving the Resident mm -hmm. Evil series and remaking 2 and 3. Mm -hmm. uh, they sold so well, did so uh, well bringing back that franchise that Konami was probably like, hey, we're sitting on Silent Hill. Fans love it just as much. Let's bring it back. And they finally did it. I mean, it's been a recent trend in video games recently yeah. of remaking, remastering older games. But here's the best news, in my opinion, is that they're not stopping there. No, because the transmission also revealed uh, that Silent Hill Townfall is in development at Scottish studio No Code. Yes. Which will be published by Annapurna Interactive. Yes, No Code uh, put out the opposite of what Blooper did, a game that the horror community loved called Observation. And so a lot of people are very excited to see what they do here. And of course, Annapurna, hey, they're on a roll lately, so yep. it would be cool to see them uh, see a game that does the Silent Hill franchise justice. 
but they weren't done. It's still not done. Silent Hill F was also announced, and it's in development at Taiwan-based Neoboards Entertainment, the studio behind Resident Evil Resistance, uh, the asymmetrical multiplayer survival game, which was released in That was what I was trying to think of earlier. Yep. And, and Reverse, the game we just talked about, that's yep. coming out this week. Yep, as well as the upcoming online Reverse, which is this yes. week. Yep. Uh, but they're not done. No. Uh, Silent Hill had a big... Do you love multimedia? Yes. Do you love Here's some multimedia. It? In fact, we'll talk about this later as well. <laughs> Additionally, there will be an interactive streaming series called Silent Hill Ascension and a new movie, Return to Silent Hill. Yeah. And it's two different yes. uh, potentially streaming uh, films. Yeah. The movie is a Silent sequel Hill. to the 2006 Silent Hill film. Yes. And it also brings back the same director. So, um, and people seem to think that one was okay compared to a lot of video game adaptations. So, yeah, if you were a horror game fan or a Silent Hill fan specifically, this was a lot of good news, I think, in a row. As much as, you know, there is to say about Lubertine, the rest of this sounds pretty positive. And I think that, yeah, it's cool to see a franchise come back in this fashion, and I hope it's all good. Yep. Um, so if you're a Silent Hill fan, I mean, yeah, more Silent Hill coming your way. Yeah, perfect. Just in time for spooky season. Yes. Uh, so, question then. Do we want to get to our uh, fan <laughs> question? Oh, you want to do that now? Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's skip ahead to our fan question. We have a fan question. This is by wait, our wait. same uh, Yes. Our wait, same where did fan. Go? Did we delete it? No, it's right there. Oh, wow. Fan question right there. Yeah, except yeah. Uh, there's nothing... Uh, oh, you do not complete it. Oh, no. It's, it's not like... You oh, no, it's down here. That's what it is. <laughs> it's down here. It's, it's, I didn't realize this is one long... Yeah, I realize this is, Yeah, so because we were talking about Silent Hill making yes. a remake, making a... <laughs> movie, interactive movie. It's weird. Let me fix this so we can have it on yeah. the lock screen. Yes. So, fan question. Uh, speaking of, with video game movies being notoriously bad, as aforementioned, um, the original Super Mario movie, Assassin's Creed, for yeah. example, if given the opportunity to have a video game movie made for you and yeah. done right, okay. big, like, after done right, yeah. Uh, which video game would you choose to be made into a movie? Um, as there are recently rumors of the Bioshock right. movie going to Netflix, the constant Blumhouse production of <laughs> yes. Friday Nights at Freddy's, which keeps getting rewritten and being pushed back. Who knows, yeah. Uh, who knows if it's even still greenlit at this point. I think it's back on, I think, right now. I've recently heard yep. something. Yep, and then uh, the aforementioned story of yeah. Silent Hill getting yeah. its own interactive and uh, sequel of a film. Quote, personally... Um, for a following up, I wouldn't mind seeing a Hideo Kojima directed Metal Gear Solid movie. Yeah. Look forward to seeing a guy's answers. Yeah, let's be real. The guy clearly wants to direct movies. Yes. Most of his stuff <laughs> is movie like. Yes, and there's a little caveat. I cannot say Kingdom Hearts for this. Yeah, movie. it's not bad. <laughs> like, yes, there you go. Because that would be your answer. But we talked about that last week with the anime. With you the did, anime. You did. Um, I feel like that. That should be the caveat to every question is my can't say Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> You'd be so restricted. So, um, if I was going to do a movie and or a, like, a Netflix 10-part miniseries, I'd go Neon White. I'm shocked you did not say God of War, but go on. Well, they're already doing a God of War. It's already in development. And I can't say uh, (laughs) Last of Us because it's already in development. And they're doing Horizon. And they're doing Horizon, (laughs) yeah. So, I'm going, like, off-brand of what I know is already in development or being talked about. Neon White. And Neon White. 
It would it, be make a good anime, wouldn't it? One, it'd be make a great anime yeah. in the vein of like uh, what's the Arcana? Arcane yeah. that just came out, right? Or Bakuma uh, Bakuna, or Bakuma uh, Machine, or what they did with uh, Cyberpunk. And Cyberpunk, recently. yeah. Or Black Lotus, even. And there's a lot of stuff there too, because you could have the the current day like demon fighting stuff. You can also have like the flashback to the backstory. Yep. That would be really cool, like you without have, spoilers for Neon White. Yes. Yeah, yeah and have like different art styles for them, and, yeah, and different interactions. Kind of stuff, uh, it also adds the layer of mystery as you progress through the story. There's a lot that you can go there on just that single game. Plus, adding the fact that you can make it an anthology that because this kind of uh, event happens yeah. every so often, you do it about different characters. You do about different characters every season, making it an anthology. Yeah, it almost reminds me of what they're doing with uh, what Square's doing with the uh, World Ends with You. Yeah. Like making that kind of an anthology series in a way where like Neo is about a different set of characters. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, doing, going through the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's potential there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, I'm going to burn my obvious one uh, first, because it's the first thing I thought of, which is, after I saw Pokemon Detective Pikachu, my immediate thought was like, I want to see a movie in this world that's not about a Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. I want to know more about how the Pokemon world, as depicted in this world, works. What do normal-ass people do? What are the life of a normal-ass person in the Pokemon world? Make a movie about that. Making, like, like, there's so many stories you could tell in that world, and I think I've already said this about some other question we got. But yeah, I think there's 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 fertile ground there. So that's my obvious answer. Yeah, I think we talked about that in 2017 when it came out, though. Yeah, I think and we did. we don't have anything since. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, there's eventually going to be a sequel to that movie. I know they're making a sequel to that movie. Yes. Who knows when it's going to come out. But um, as for another franchise, let me... Think. There's got to be something. That I got an like. easy one because it doesn't require a whole lot of special effects okay. well, and just really good writing. And that is the, uh, we're now going back to the Nintendo well here, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorneys. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. I think more a series than a movie. Yes. Yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, those are fun. I mean, I think there is an anime, actually. There is, I think there is, I yeah, there's there an, is anime, an anime, but yeah, but like live action, though, if done yeah. right. Maybe, 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 maybe work. Um, I feel like an obvious one is the Yakuza series. Yeah, I think that there's enough story, really great storytelling that in a lot of characters. We can't call that. It's called the Like a Dragon series. Sorry, yes, the Like a Dragon, the Like a Dragon series. My bad. Uh, I think that would make a really good adaptation. But I'm I'm honestly with our with our question asker here about uh, Metal Gear Solid. Kojima should just make a movie at this point. It's like clearly it's what he wants to do. He'd be good at it, I think, to a certain extent. It would be weird as shit, but it would do really well. He's one of those people <laughs> where, like, he went to video games because technology at the time couldn't come up with his ideas. There's a lot of people whose theory is that, yeah, his, the, the theory is, like, he got into video games, became big enough in video games so that we'd meet a lot of celebrities and then pivot to a movie career. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's why he's buddy-buddy with, like, Guillermo del Toro yeah. and, Hanging out with like, did you see the tweets he put about about like doing mocap sessions with Elle Fanning? Yes. <laughs> she's weird like karate poses she's <laughs> doing. And <laughs> could you? What are you doing with your day? You're just hanging out with celebrities? Just him and Mads Mikkelsen, just like having a beer. I don't know. To be Kojima. Anyways, um, so yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, the tricky thing is, is that yeah, like I feel like I don't play a whole lot of very story heavy video games like you do. Right. So there's not a lot of uh, ones that I think would make good movies. <laughs> it's tough. That's a t- that's a good question, but it's a tough one for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's hard to do like 
genre specific, like first person shooter, as we've seen with Doom, or yeah. fighting games, as we've seen with like Street Fighter, or even more recent one of uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. But, but that's Which the thing, fine. Mortal Kombat one actually kind of worked. Yeah. I think it was a pretty good movie. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the better ones. But they did set up for more sequel stuff to be done, but I haven't heard anything about it. I think you could make a cute Kirby movie. Animated, like, like a fun family movie, that'd be cute. What if Kirby's the next thing Illumination does? Uh, I hope so. That'd be adorable. I would love that. Or if it's either the, that's the next thing that they do, or the first thing that the Nintendo Pictures does. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could do that. They could do that. I, I like that. I like that very much. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, thank <laughs> you for the question. Yes, uh, thank you. We have always appreciate it. Uh, keep keep sending them in. Let's pivot. Ooh, I know what what you do. What. Blumhouse style, the uh, I was gonna say the following again. <laughs> the witness. The witness, but it's Blumhouse style. Um, they're trapped on an island and have to solve a series of puzzles to escape. I don't want to watch a movie about people solving puzzles. Which basically it's just Indiana uh, Jones: The Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, oh, how did we wake up here? Just no, it's suddenly um, showed up. No, it's uh, it's it's The Last Crusade or it's um. Uh, what's the Die Hard one? Is that Die Hard 2 or 3? The one where they're trying to solve the riddles. Uh, 3? 3, I think. Is that with the Vengeance? No, yeah. That's... Yeah, 3 is Die Hard with the Vengeance. Right, yeah. So I think that's with the Vengeance. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but yes. So maybe the, the guy said just Saw, yeah. Yeah. It's just Saw. It, I mean, it could eventually just become Saw. But yeah, just <laughs> solving puzzles. Squid Games. Anyway. No, no, not that. <laughs> no one dies. No, you. no. Squid Games is just a Fall Guys. And yeah, speaking of which, uh, did we play any video games this week? Uh, nothing new. I played more of the Marvel Snap that, as yeah. mentioned last week, came out. And I, I played, talked about it last week. And I played the new update for Dreamlight Valley, but I'm not going to bore everybody with that. Mm-hmm. So, we can safely move on to the second half of the show, and we start that with television, and we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. So, first up, basketball returns this week. I was going to jump on the train, and then I realized something that uh, kind of put a wrench in the works. You were moving. <laughs> I don't have TNT. Oh, TNT. So I can only see the ESPN games. Uh, so I miss half the games every week. Yes. And yeah, so I might have to go on a Spectrum and maybe change one of my uh, channels that I get mm-hmm. uh, and see if I can get TNT and then, then see if I can watch some basketball. But yeah, I'm missing half the games. Well, plus with TNT, you get inside the NBA. Oh, boy. So yeah, I haven't jumped on a basketball train. I promise I will. But those of you who have, uh, the NBA season has started, and LeBron's already nothing in three. So he's losing games. Yep, he lost to Golden State, and he lost to the Clippers. I saw that, yeah. And yeah, sucks to be LeBron. So much for the new dream team, huh? So they spent all that money on nothing. Yeah, um, yeah this has propelled rumors that LeBron, that this will be LeBron's final season because I, I he's can't stand losing. Well, and, like, and, and like you said, the NBA is already trying to like promote the next big star because yes. uh, he's probably done. Yep. They know he's done. So the LeBron era is over. Uh, so we have a much. strong 10, 15 years there? Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. Next up, speaking of the inside the NBA, they have signed 10-year contracts with their hosts, Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, and Kenny Smith, and of course, our favorite, Shaq. Yes. So we'll continue seeing those guys yep. as long as they want to do it. Uh, no, like official numbers were provided for three of them, but Charles Barkley's numbers did come out. It was ten years, a hundred million dollars. <laughs> That's money. I mean, just to do and just to do inside the NBA. I mean, of course, it's a cushy job that they enjoy and that we enjoy. 
I just I just love all the clips of with Shaq it's just because the way Shaq talks about stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's another ten years. This is just which is one of the weird things of Warner Brother Discovery locking them down because it's yeah. through TNT. Because they know that it works. Yep. Anyway, and we'll get to more cuts yeah. from them later. More basketball news will come later. Uh, but uh, and yes, but yeah. more cuts about Warner will come later. Yep. Uh, but yeah, during the opening ceremonies, Banner was raised for Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Congratulations! It was their fourth championship in eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So congratulations, oh, and the <laughs> season's already off and running. Yes, off and running. Hockey also continues, but in the meantime, there's playoffs happening, both NASCAR and baseball. In NASCAR, first, three races remain in those playoffs, with Logano, Elliott, Chastain, and Hamlin in the final four positions. So the Watermelon Currently. Man continues. Yes, Watermelon Man still is there. Watermelon Power. Um, pulling for him. Hamlin's on that bubble there. Uh, he could get yeah. kicked off before uh, the final race in Phoenix in two, three weeks now. Yes. But yeah, uh, we have this week, next week, and then the first week in November is the finale in Phoenix. Won't be going this year, but we'll be watching, especially if Watermelon Man Chastain, Ross Chastain, is in the finals. And yeah. he pretty much secured in there because he's at safely at number two with a big cushion between him, cool. between two and four. Cool. So we will watch that and see how he ends up. And uh, we'll be the first ones to tell you, I'm sure. Yeah. If he smashes that watermelon. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the playoffs that most other people are excited about, which is baseball. Yes. They are heating up. We have the conference uh, uh, finals here to see to, who goes into the World Series. Houston is currently two games up over the Yankees. So, boring as Astros again. And the Phillies up 2-1 to one over the Padres. That's the more interesting series, I think. Yes. Um, man, World Series play from Brandon Marsh, <laughs> former <laughs> right. Angel. Always happens. Former Good Angels. to see him thriving, honestly. Former Angels just keep doing work outside of the Angel he community. He seems to be killing it. It's almost like it's not the players. It's, it's the, the franchise. It makes you think, doesn't it? It's the team. Hmm. Although, uh, in Angels news, this isn't huge news, but just local, local baseball news. There's been a lot of changeover in the staff. Uh, our batting coaches quit. <laughs> so our third base coach quit. Like, there's a lot of transition happening in the in the Angels uh, franchise. That we'll uh, keep an eye on out to see and see how that affects the next season. And just a follow-up story um, from years from yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, the guy who supplied oh, Tyler yes. Skaggs in the Angels organization. In the organization, officially yes. tra- sentenced, charged. Sentence, I think yeah. it was twenty years. I saw something long. Yeah, so, uh, twenty years yeah. in prison. We're, we're not seeing him again. No. So yeah, at least there was some sort of justice for this family of Tyler Skaggs, which is good. Yes. Because uh, that was just a, such a stain on the organization, among many stains. Among on the many stains. Yes, I know. I'm wearing them on my hat. I know. I'm sorry. You have to be yes, honest they're, they're behind us right here. You have to be honest about the team that you like. You have to be honest that they're scummy. And you know what? The Angels organization is scummy. I'll admit that. We need a new owner, bring fresh blood in there, and just restart the whole thing. Start blank slate with the star, with stars we have. Because we have the stars. We have the pieces. We just need to put them in a row. See, that sounds all nice and fluffy, <laughs> but we've recently seen that obviously fail. In the TV sector. I know. So that's where I pivot to the television section. And we start television section with another big gut. But you can't say you didn't see this coming. I said this as soon as they announced it. Yes, and I said they won't fail if we're on it. Well, they didn't hire us. 
and thus G4, the former and uh, again former, former and then revived and then now again former television station has officially shut down yet again. Comcast's Spectacore division is pulling the plug again on video game-centric network G4 TV just a year after its much ballyhooed relaunch. In a memo set to be sent out to all employees, Spectacore CEO Dave Scott explained that the company's investment and efforts to revive the network just didn't gain traction. You don't say a video <laughs> game network launched in an era where people just want to watch streamers didn't gain traction? Where you could stream and what? YouTube and Twitch? Who would have guessed internet? In an era where there is more places than ever to watch video game content? No one cared about a television station? What do you know? Sorry, anyways. Uh, a few dozen employees and contract workers are affected by the shutdown. They had already laid off a bunch the week prior, mm -hmm. so people kind of saw the writing on the wall here. Comcast did say it will assist them, though, with outplacement and consider some for internal opportunities within the Comcast umbrella. Along with putting content on YouTube and social media, G4 still has a multi-year agreement with Twitch and pay TV distribution deals with Verizon Fios, Cox, Xfinity TV, which is Comcast, and Philo. Spectacore's main business focus on sports and live events, with the division owning the NHL's uh, Philadelphia Flyers, as well as their home arena, the Wells Fargo Center, along with numerous other assets. So this was never even something that was core mm. to their business. No. The it wasn't a spectacle. No, it wasn't one of their spectacles. The results of G4 were never particularly material to Spectacore, but the division has avidly pursued esports, making the G4 revival a logical thing to attempt, but also a logical thing to write off yes. now that it failed. Uh, yeah, it's the the take that I see here is really depressing, which is the people that worked really hard. So yeah, I dismissed the G4 relaunch because I didn't think it was going to work. I ended up being right. That doesn't say they didn't do a pretty good job of hiring really cool people and got a really diverse, talented staff to put on programs like that. Say what you will about Adam Sessler. But the rest of them, <laughs> I thought there was really good... And Kevin Pereira. With Attack of the Show. Don't love either of them. But... The people, the new hires, they actually did really good work on getting really cool, interesting people. And by far, it sucks. That's the biggest sad part, saddest part about this story. It sucks all those really talented people are without a job because it did seem like it had potential to do something new. So that's the sad part. And then just to see these the rich assholes who funded it just be like, eh, it's fine, we didn't even need it anyways. That has to hurt. That has to hurt if you were if you were taking the opportunity of being on G4 and trying to pivot into something that mattered. All of that was just pulled out from under you. So yeah, it's a sad story, but ultimately a predictable sad story. I hope all those people land somewhere and get to make content that they like and have full control over and um, continue to work in that space. And not hopefully with a corporate overlord like Comcast that's gonna ax them as the soonest they can. So. Yeah, it just sucks. It's a sucky thing, but honestly, G4 is just an idea and a concept that had a time and place, and it's no longer viable. So is this the sad phone call of you it's called the it? Saddest the saddest time, time we have to put the phone to our head. <laughs> yes. You're right. But yeah, oh well. Yeah, um, back to streaming. Back to streaming. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of video game stuff in the television section, we're just doubling up on the video game stuff this week. Yeah. Well, this is part of Warner Brothers Discovery's um, umbrella now, ever since they got purchased. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm reading the story. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you were reading it. I was setting you up for something. Yeah, because you think you were video games. Yeah, that's why. I think it's because I thought we were video games. So pivoting from video games to video games on television, uh, or video games on television to video games on television, Rooster Teeth. If that name sounds familiar, they got their start with the Red vs. Blue Halo Machinima series mm -hmm. on uh, early, early YouTube. They have continued to exist in kind of a streaming kind of like multimedia approach, and they were owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, yeah, sometimes they put out original yeah. content as well. Um, yeah. Like, they, like, was it Death Battle on their YouTube that was series? Them, yeah. Um, Ruby as well. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the Ruby, Ruby people. people. That's right, I forgot. Yep. So, yeah, they kind of branched out over the years. But they're in the news this week, not for the greatest and not for the rosiest reasons. So, they came under fire this week from a former employee who said she was mistreated during her time at the company, including being verbally harassed and severely underpaid. Kadin Jensen, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that first name correctly. Pretty sure it's Kadin. Kadin, who worked at Rooster Teeth from 2013 until leaving earlier this year, published a lengthy 2,257-word blog post Saturday night detailing her experience at the company. Jensen was a producer and director who mainly worked in uh, the company's Achievement Hunter games group. Achievement Hunter, uh, mostly known for being an Xbox 360 era, like, I need to know all the achievements in this game kind of mm -hmm. video kind of uh, thing. Within a few weeks of starting at Rooster Teeth, Jensen wrote, quote, every day I came into work, I was called F-slur, but they could not use that name in content. So whenever anyone was recording, I was called Fugs instead, unquote. Jensen said they repeated the use of the nickname for years to HR, but, quote, nothing was ever done about it, unquote. In addition, Jensen said they were unpaid for voiceover work that they did from February to November 2013 while at Rooster Teeth, including voicing Maeve Marigold for the company's Ruby anime-style series. Jensen said she was underpaid compared to her co-workers and industry standards. Quote, I am still recovering from this debt now as Rooster Teeth has been underpaying me for years, my raises were frozen by my manager at the time, and because of that, I never received a proper raise even up until I quit earlier this year, wrote Jensen, who uses she and they pronouns. Until the end of 2020, Jensen said they were paid around $40,000 per year as a producer director. That's it. Which was almost 30000 less than the lowest paid person next to them. So just a lousy picture of how Rooster Teeth ran their organization. Um, note that the that comment of she they pronouns because yeah. yes. um, Kaden Jensen is transgender male, male to female. Okay, um, that's why that was there. That's also also what um, perpetuated the slurs right yeah in, in the environment. So yeah, so this is a, unfortunately a recurring story in a lot of companies that start as web video projects mm -hmm. and then get bought by corporations and then you know, become bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, it's the perpetual cycle of yeah. harassment. You see this because what happens is is that the people who created it, who still have, like, like ownership roles in the company, mm -hmm. stick around because they have those ownership roles and they want to stick around and be kind of creative directors of it. But when they're coming from, like, making two dumb, like, two dumb videos together in the 2000s, they're not going to stop being those guys. They're going to mm -hmm. be still be those guys that they were making dumb videos in the 2000s. They don't know how to run a company. Especially when you throw money at them. And that company culture goes down throughout the organization. We've seen this recently in video games. Yeah. Uh, Plenty of places. Plenty of places. Uh, was it Blizzard? Yeah. 
recently yeah. that we've talked about is video game section. What was yeah. the other one that we talked about? Uh, there was uh, Ubisoft talk as well. About, yeah, yeah. There's some talk about um, in uh, Quantic Dream as well. That's the one. Yes, yeah, uh, Naughty Dog yeah. to a certain extent. There's a lot of stories about this, and, and even outside of video games, you have so- stories like this. Um, uh, in all sorts of small places that start small and like like Cards Against Humanity had a similar mm-hmm. similar story about a year or so ago where somebody also was like talking about they were mistreated because if you start so small and get bigger and bigger and bigger and snowball you're gonna still like they don't know how to run a company they don't know how an HR department's supposed to work that toxic feeling is gonna permeate and people who are marginalized are gonna feel it and they're not gonna want to stick around because they're gonna be mistreated like this. So, yeah, uh, I've never been a Rooster Teeth person. I didn't really get into Rupee. I didn't get into Red versus mm-hmm. Blue back in the day. I didn't really pay attention to anything of theirs. But it's just a reminder. Always take a look at those comp- those these kind of companies, these ones that started, like, as an Internet kind of thing. Because, yeah, like, unless they cleaned up their act, they're probably all run by people like this. And they're probably always kind of shady stuff going on under the, under the, uh, the scenes. I'm glad that this person... Has has the bravery to come out and talk about it, and it's yeah, it's toxicity within a company that, if it's not rooted out, just becomes toxicity with money. Yeah, and yes. like power You're behind right. them. You're right. So yeah, uh, I hope that this uh, makes some changes uh, going forward in there in Rooster Teeth and any similar uh, situations. Just yes. The more that is talked about, the better. Yeah, and being able to get their voice out, being able to be yep. heard like this, get yeah. your. Um, Get your side of the story. Get, yeah, get your be story able to voice your opinion. Not opinion, but voice your side of the story. Yeah. yeah. So that was a bummer. Uh, what's not a bummer though is you uh, finished off a couple of shows on Netflix. Yes. You finished off the mole. Yes, we're gonna talk about last week, and I'm gonna change my opinion on it. Okay. It sucks. Oh no. <laughs> so it did not end well. Not end well. So the first one I thought was the mole. Ended up being the mole. Yes, I was right the whole time. That's disappointing. But not for the reasons that I thought. Oh. Um, the reason I thought was because in the original series of the mole, as I mentioned, that during the finale, they reveal all the clues that they sprinkled throughout the show to show you where like you could have gotten clues as a viewer <laughs> and where they could have gotten clues as players <laughs> on who the mole was. I gave you all the clues. Yeah. Remember Yes, man? yes, snowman, Mr. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, the police officer. Mr. Policeman. Yeah. yeah, where um, it was like, oh, like, see, you had all the clues. But the finale came, and it wasn't that. It was just, oh, here's where I sabotaged here. Here's where I sabotaged here. Here's where I did a little sabotaging here. I was like, yes, but we knew that. Yeah. Because we saw it. You're not giving us any new information. You're just highlighting what we already saw. Yeah. And where people were expecting you to do the mole. It's like, yeah, that was actually me doing mole-like stuff because I was indeed the mole. Mm-hmm. That's not new. What I was looking for was like, oh, like we added this little detail here to help like the players point yeah. out who the mole was. You were hoping they would do it like recent seasons of the Circle, where they would kept at, keep adding new obstacles to make it no, more interesting. No, it's not adding more obstacles to make it interesting. It's adding more clues to help uh, point to where the mole is. So that way, as a viewer, you can go back and catch all the stuff you uh, didn't yeah. miss. Because there's nothing like that. There's nothing that makes me want to go back and rewatch the season. So you're saying like, it was too easy. <laughs> it was too easy, yeah. I mean, it might be too easy, especially since I was like, oh, no, that person's the mole, like, right from like, episode one. You're like the Pokemon discourse. 
Oh, this thing's too easy. They should make it. <laughs> should get difficulty levels in in the bowl. They should make it harder to solve. <laughs> Sound like every guy on a message board talking about the scarlet violet pressures this week. They should make it hard. I can't believe you can tackle the gyms in any order. Nothing stopping you from rolling a like level sixty team and being the first gym leader. Of course not. It's fun. <laughs> Have fun in video games. People. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Anyways. Enjoy your reality shows. They're supposed to be dumb and stupid. Oh, that's why I'm gonna enjoy the next one. <laughs> we'll get there, but yeah. So the mole disappointed. Yes, mole disappointed in the finale. Um, I'm not sure if it was disappointed because like I like chose my person who I thought was the mole and ended up being right the whole time. Yeah. So I was like, oh no, they're not it. Now I should go back and watch who I think it actually is. <laughs> but like no, like they made it all the way as like, like clearly you're the mole. That was like the most obvious thing there was. Mm-hmm. How do you, how does everyone not see you as the mole? So, no. so yeah. What are you gonna do? What you're gonna do apparently is pivot to finishing up Love is Blind season three. Yeah, this isn't finishing, this is just starting. Oh, it's just starting. Yes. Okay. Uh, we had season two earlier this year, uh, which we talked about. Yes. This is season three. Oh boy. And once again, they're able to find dumb, beautiful people yeah. to go into pods and propose to people they have yet to see. Is this the one where you have the nickname for it? What do you call it? There's one of these they have like a name for it, like something island or something. I forget. Oh no, no, that's not this. That's one. not this one. I know. No, 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 that's uh, sexless island. Oh, that's sexless island. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that one is too hot to handle. That's too hot to handle. Sorry, this is love is. This blind. is love is blind. This is um, you're in where beautiful people go into pods and then they <laughs> propose to someone they've never met. That's right. And it's part like dating show and part like. Wow, you really do have problems, but you clearly don't see them. Because there's this one girl in in this ignorant in the series. Thank you, Because like the the guy basically like poured out his heart, like like revealed like like this is my backstory. This is like the trauma. This is the stuff that made me shape who I am. Yeah. And the girl on the other side was exercising. She was doing Jeffrey Gash. She was running around the room listening to this. Sure. And it's like. Wow, you're clearly not paying attention. And then he calls her out on it because he can hear her doing jumping yes. gas. And he's like, if you're not going to listen to me like as I'm pouring out myself, why should I listen to you? And he like left the That's a good point. He's right, honestly. I mean, the girl did eventually like find someone else, but sure. they clearly have issues because she is so into herself <laughs> that she can't see someone else being a part of her life. Jeez, yeah. And yet she's on a show. About doing About that. exactly do that. Finding someone who knew this was going to happen. I know. All of a sudden they <laughs> added juicy drama just like for they us. Put these things and do these things on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, there's another. Reality shows. Yeah, reality shows being juicy and drama. Like there's another person on there who's like, I don't. She's a ballerina. And she's like, I don't see myself at surface level. There's so much more to me. <laughs> I have deep meaning. And then someone asked her, like, okay, like you're a ballerina. Cool. But. What else do you do? What else? Like, can you tell me a little bit about your past? And yeah. she's like, No, 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 I don't want to talk about that. What happened in the past is in the past. Like, I am who I am now. And like, this guy is trying to get you to open up <laughs> and get you to like go deeper. And you're saying that you don't want to be shallow. And yet, here I am, literally keeping things on a surface lo- yeah. level, the shallowest thing you can do. Yeah. <sighs> But other than that, it's dra- added super drama, and we love it. As, as you know. As, as you as do. do. As you do. I mean, it's not like 911 or uh, Good Doctor, where it's like, added super drama. Oh, by the way, um, I did watch the um, a couple episodes of 
So help me Todd. And that's also legal soupy drama. Oh boy. Not something I have to keep up on, but just, yeah, I did watch it. What an awful name. It is such an awful name. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) It's just a soupy lawyer show. Yeah. But yeah. No, thank you. So yeah, so Lowe's Blind, it's more of what you expect from Lowe's Blind. It's going to continue. Continue perpetuating. Until they can finally find more people to actually stick to the the we're going to be married forever line. Yeah. So we'll report back at the end of that one. Oh, yes. So I haven't been watching uh, much. Uh, I do want to note, uh, give our little mid-season Jeopardy update, or not mid-season even. Yes. Um, so right now they're doing the second chance tournament mm-hmm. on regular Jeopardy, uh, which is going to have people who uh, did not become super champions and give them a chance to go into the tournament of champions. And after this is over, rolls right into the tournament of champions. champions. Um, also note, Celebrity Jeopardy is still happening. And yes. Way too much Eliza Schlesinger. But otherwise, it's been okay. <laughs> I do not like her. I do not like her at all. And she's constantly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get the second round of celebrities this week, so I'm excited to see what they uh, start with. So. And Aisha Tyler is on tomorrow night. Sure. And then uh, Peyton Manning hosted College Bowl, Capital One College Bowl is continuing. Still a lot of college bowl. Except they put it on Friday, so it's like, yeah, we're going to cancel you after this season, but <laughs> yeah. we're not going to tell you that. That's the death slot. That's the death it's slot. The death slot. Friday's at 8 p.m. Oh, wow. So yeah, just that's that's the routine uh, game show update. Yeah. Let's move on to cancellations. Oh, and uh, Hell's Kitchen continues to be yeah, battling Kitchen. of Which Hell's Kitchen. What you want? Yes. All right, cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer that. watching? Fox is bringing back Grimsburg for a second season. No, nope. it is it's cancel is right. approving it before its premiere. Yeah, before in, its premiere. In the, next year. Yeah. Yes. It's gonna get there. CBS has uh, added twenty more episodes. East New York's order. Yep. I don't even know if that premiered yet. Has it? So yeah, I think no, yeah, I think that's currently going. East New York. So they did three three shows. East New York, Fire Country, yes. and So Help Me Todd. As you just said. Yes. All three of them, originally episodes. thirteen episodes, have been bumped up to full season twenty full season episodes orders. now. So there you go. Meanwhile on Netflix, they've renewed Heartbreak High for a second season. Mm-hmm. Stars has renewed P Valley for a third season. <laughs> Prime Video has canceled As We See It after just one season. And ABC has extended the, the order for The Rookie, colon, Feds, which is, of course, a spinoff of The Rookie, yes. uh, for a full 22-episode order. So it must have done pretty well for them. Well, you can't be The Rookie if you're in season five and are training new rookies. <laughs> right. So, so there you go. Spin off town. Yep. Let's move on out of television and into some no deaths this week, I guess. No, no notable deaths. Okay, so let's move right into movies. And we start movies with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie, Tis the Season, is Halloween Ends with a $40 million debut. That's actually one of the best debuts this year, if you can believe it. $40 million for its debut. Right underneath it, another horror movie, Smile, with another $12.5 million. That's at 71 domestic. Number three, Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, because the kids got to see something. $7.3 million, adding to a $22 million total. Number four, The Woman King, still hanging in there with $3.7 million. That's at 59 And rounding out your top five, Taylor Swift is Amsterdam in Amsterdam. And uh, no, $2.7 million, adding to a measly $11 million. No one is going to remember this movie uh, beyond the next month. Nope. Uh, <laughs> maybe someone will... Uh, remember my mind people when the next David Russell film comes out hopefully I'm glad his career may be ending yes uh, this coming week a new release just one Pray for the Devil and that's Pray like P-R-E-Y no. this week's releases yes. was 
uh, Black Adam and Ticket for pa to Paradise. We talked yes. about that last week. Uh, but yes, uh, yes. so Pray for the Devil is your sole new release this week. Because that's coming out on Halloween weekend. Yes. So if you really want to see a scary movie on Halloween weekend, more. Pray for the Devil. You have one more coming out go. there. Let's move on into movie news. We start with the current president of DC Films, Walter Hamada, will no longer be the president of DC Films. Yes, the current former president. Yes. After 15 years with Warner Brothers, he has headed out the door since being handed the keys in 2018. Hamada will be the fifth Warner Brothers motion picture studio executive to leave since David Zaslav took the reins of the newly merged Warner Brothers Discovery, following Warner Brothers Motion Picture Group, group chairman Toby Emmerich, president of production and development Courtney Valenti, Valenti motion picture group CEO Carolyn Blackwood, and animation group EVP, Allison Abbott. And then we add Walter Hamada to yeah. that list. Hamada leaves just as Black Adam is hitting theaters with a projected $175 million opening weekend. Projected. We'll see if it pulls that off. Yes. Uh, that'll be next week's numbers. He helped shepherd the Batman through COVID to gross $771 million, as well as works worked on TC's highest grossing movies, Aquaman, $1.1 billion worldwide, and Joker, $1.07 billion, which also won two Oscars. Beyond Black Adam, DC's 2023 slate has Shazam! Fury of the Gods on March 17th, The Flash, somehow still, on June 23rd, Blue Beetle on August 18th, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom on Christmas Day. There is also Phillips' sequel, jo Joker Faux de Deux, I can't do the French, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga, planned for a December start and an October 4th, 2024 release. So this is the revolving door at DC continues. Will they it's ever not, well, find a person to stay there? So it's part revolving door because Walter Hamada got the job because he brought on Justin Lin yeah. to direct the original Aquaman. Um, but that was in 2018, which grossed 1.1 billion. And they're like, here you go. Um, like, please be our Kevin Feige. And then this yeah. merger happened, and then yeah. Zaslav has just taken his the Zaslav axe to yeah. everyone, just cutting out everything, I, I cutting blame, it. I don't blame anyone with a golden parachute to get take it and pull it when Zaslav comes in charge, because he's clearly he has no qualms about killing people's darlings. Yeah, and I don't blame you for leaving. I don't blame anyone for leaving, getting out of that ship before he sinks it. So he was signed on originally for three years. Uh, a from 2018 to 2021, signed on for an additional two years through 2023, and is getting cut yeah. a, a year before. Yeah. A year before that contract finishes up. I can't blame anyone. This whole discovery thing has become a nightmare, mm -hmm. and internally and externally. So, who oh boy, I guess we'll see what Zaslav does, if anything's left. I mean, he wants to find, as do everyone, their Kevin Feige for the DC films. Yeah. But he's such a one in a million shot yeah that it's not a one to one I am literally sitting right here saying <laughs> I can do it and yet yeah. one in a million are not listening to us <laughs> no no they, they don't hear you yes but yeah so we'll see what happens but oh boy it's just a bad time I think to be in anything related to Warner right now yeah let's move on I mean, to we'll see what DC Ooh. Films does we'll see but I mean they gotta find someone to run that division they still have the PR nightmare of putting out the flash and all Yes, the face. Uh, and they're still dealing with the the female, the <laughs> PR nightmare of Batgirl yes. that never got released. Yeah, it's just bad news. Bad news all around. 
Let's move on to some good news in the form of some movie bits. The bits. The bits. First up, Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, Creed 3, the third in the Creed series, gets a release date of March 3rd, 2023, and a first trailer. Did you watch this trailer? It looks good. It looks good. I'm ready for more Creed. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, I actually ended up skipping Creed 2 because I, I thought it was just gonna, like a rehash of uh, Rocky IV. Especially when you have like the suns yeah. going against each other. But the Creed 3 looks like that good stuff. Yes. It looks like what you Well, you got Jonathan Majors in it now. Yeah. And they both uh, bulked up for this. <laughs> oh, it looks so good. Well, you love to see it. Next up, Harrison Ford is officially in the MCU as he will be playing somehow, inexplicably, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross in Captain America New World Order, replacing the late William Hurt. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's already a stretch. Keeping him in the next Indiana Jones film, it's more of a stretch to have him do original characters here. Well, I guess inheriting a character. Yeah, inheriting a character. Uh, just let the man rest. Let the man be an old guy. Just like the poor guy. The, we don't need Harrison Ford in anything. No, we don't, don't need ask it. him anymore. It's fine. This feels like elder abuse at this point. Just let the man <laughs> sit. Just let the man be Harrison Ford while he still can. Like anyways, Netflix has so picked maybe up. Go fly planes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not, actually. I don't know if I trust him <laughs> to do that anymore, either. Yeah. Uh, next up, Netflix has picked up un the untitled Adam Sandler Safdie Brothers feature that will be a uh, follow-up to Uncut Gems. Uh, apparently, the rumor is that it will take place in the collectible card industry, uh, playing off of how uh, uh, like valuable cards have become in the last few years. Baseball cards, Pokemon cards, Magic yep. cards, etc. Interesting take, and uh, yeah, uh, sure. Sure, yeah. why not? I mean, Uncut Gems got yeah. both of them um, some Oscar nominations, so this so, is yeah. re-collaboration and Netflix see. being like, yeah, let's do that again. That's smart. Netflix is smart to grab that. Yep. And then lastly in the bits here, Universal working on, is working on a sequel to Twister, uh, but no, no Helen Hunt. No. But hey, sure, a sequel to Twister. Yeah, it's been long enough. Why not? But, you know, we did have a sequel to Twister already. It's called Category 5. <laughs> not the same thing. No, not the same thing? No, it's like you get a cooler CG cow this time. Yes. That, that you can do. You don't want to really like, like strap yourself to the ground <laughs> as you get to take it up? Yeah. No, really. Yeah. So, new Twister, <laughs> possibly in the works. Sure. I'm Why not? pretty sure there was a sequel called Twister 2. Why not? Or, Twister, or Twister Sister or something? Twister Sister. <laughs> no, we're not going to take it. Anyway, yeah. that's it for movie news, uh, and I don't think we watched any movies this week, did we? No, uh, no. So that'll do it for the show then. So thank you for joining us for Media Vote Podcast. Uh, we appreciate any of you sticking yeah. around with us. These we went through that fast from the music section. Yeah, yeah. The second half was nothing. Yep. First half, bulky. So thanks for joining us for this hour forty of Media Vote Podcast action. We'll be back next week for another show. It'll be our special spooky Halloween episode. May or may not dress up. Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, get ready for that. If you want to see us do that, you can see us do that live on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Media Book Podcast, you can find our channel. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, click the bell for notifications. You can also listen to us in classic audio podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can download us by searching Media Vote Podcast on any of those catchers. You can also find us on social media channels. On Twitter, we're at Media Vote Cast. Facebook, search Media Vote Podcast and find our page. You can email us if you have a question, just like our fan question this week. 
at mediabopodcast at gmail.com. Anything from questions, it doesn't just have to be about video games. It could be about anything, music, television, anything we cover. Or just questions about us, feedback about the show, whatever you want to say. Ask away, and we'll give you some answers. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week. And we will be back next week for another episode with even more. Yep, we'll be back next week with our Halloween takes. Uh, even more thoughts, more news, and more of us coming exactly. your way. All right, see you next time. All right, bye. bye.